When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. And today I, uh, I'm going to fear just a little bit from uh, some of the stuff that I've been doing in the last couple of uh, episodes here. I've got, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a guest today that I've been, excuse, okay, we're going to stop here. <laughs> okay, yeah, no worries. I get that sometimes. I'm going to take a drink. Wow. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Three, two, <clears throat> one. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. And folks, today, I think you're going to have uh, a very pleasant experience with this uh, particular episode. Um, my guest today is uh, Richard Newman, and um, as I'm speaking to him right now, he's, he's, he's uh, yeah, at his home in uh, just outside of uh, London, and Richard is the founder and CEO of Body Talk, and Body Talk, I, I want to explore this from the point of view of leadership, and those of you that are um, longtime listeners, you know that how I define leadership is that it's the activity of influencing others in order to co-create coordinated movement. So there's three pieces to this, influencing, co-creation, and coordinated movement. Influencing as opposed to command and control, co-creation where ownership actually transfers, it's no longer just my idea, it's now your idea as well. And then coordinated movement. When we start entering new territory, we will, I guarantee it, step on each other's toes because it's, it's unfamiliar. So how do we elegantly, you know, with minimal unintended consequences, do that dance, the coordinated movement piece? And I can't think of a better guest to actually unbundle that concept specifically from the perspective of communication, because essentially that's all we're talking about is how do we communicate? So Richard is, I think, probably one of the most visibly recognized experts in this domain. Um, and I am just absolutely thrilled to have him on the show today. So Richard, welcome. Thank you, Blaine. Yeah, it's great to be here with you. I'm really looking forward to this uh, show. I love the theme, the soul of business. So uh, happy to get into it. Great. Well, yeah, just, I mean, I won't read your uh, CV or anything. Uh, it'll just kind of come out in the wash here, so to speak. But yeah, you have actually over 22 years trained over, you know, 120, 130,000 individual business leaders. Now, yeah, I, I recognize that because I've you know, actually trained about 300,000 individuals 
you know, over the course of my 40 years. So you've been busy. I know what it takes to do to reach that many individuals. Yeah. Uh, and then the ripple impact on that is pretty significant. Uh, it's not just one and done. It, you, know, you shift the way somebody thinks about how they actually communicate and you start influencing a whole ripple out there that is actually pretty substantial. So yeah. um, I want to just kind of go into, and we'll just see where this goes. Yeah. First of all, the question, you know, when you hear the soul of business, what does that bring up for you? And, and it, you know, kind of concomitant with that, what's the role in lead that leaders play in keeping people connected to the soul of business? Great. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the soul of business feels so important to me and so important to uh, the people that we've been working with over the years, but particularly the last few years, what we've really noticed uh, as a shift since the uh, the beginning of 2020, when we had the pandemic and the lockdowns to be dealing with, is that uh, people really started questioning who they are and what they're doing in their lives and particularly what they're doing in their work. And so, you know, we had that mass resignation and a culture recently of quiet quitting and essentially people thinking, why, why am I really doing this? Why am I showing up at this office, doing these tasks? For the sake of money like is this is this moving me in the right direction or not do i really care about it and so the, the soul of business has always been very important to me uh in having a sense of real purpose about what my business is for what we're showing up to do and the impact that we leave afterwards and so for me that really comes down to that that sense of purpose what is your purpose, whether you're a business owner, a business leader, or anywhere within that business? Uh, what is that purpose? And how does that connect with the legacy that you would like to leave after you're done here? Uh, and so if I connect that with my, my own business, you know, this got started as a hobby of uh, wanting to help people find their voice, increase their influence. And it, it gradually got bigger and people wanted to come work with us more. So I had to build my team up to do this. Um, but, you know, it started all the way back in 1995 was actually when I did my first uh, piece of teaching of communication where I was living in the foothills of the Himalayas. I was living in a little Tibetan monastery with just about 20 monks. And I lived there for six months. And the reason I'd gone out there is that they were sort of struggling to connect with people in India. They uh, were living in exile from their country and uh, they really needed to understand how to speak English to connect more broadly with people outside their monastery and to connect with sponsors who would help uh, give them some funds to continue uh, their practice. And so I was there, uh, I, I volunteered to go, I was getting no payment. I was, uh, I had a, uh, a bed to sleep in and some uh, Tibetan food, which is fairly bland, I have to say, but it, you know, it's nutritious, it gets you through the day. But I was there very much on a soul led mission of thinking, what can I do to make the world better through my uh, ability to teach? And I absolutely loved it, being able to bring them to life, give them a, a tool that was so valuable and so important to them. And, and since then, you know, in the work that I've been doing uh, for our clients, I, I've always looked at it from a perspective of how do I really help each individual that we're working with to uh, be able to connect with their voice, to share what's important to them so that they, they don't feel like they've got a a voice that gets hidden or trampled on. They feel like what they say becomes meaningful and that they're able to make an impact. So therefore they show up more inspired to do their job. And in my own business, I've also always thought 
uh, you know, I want to lead, lead from a soul-led perspective. We're not going to do things just for profit. We're not going to do things uh, just because it seems like a good opportunity. We're going to always think, what is the lasting legacy that we want to leave? What is the impact, like you say, of training 120,000 leaders that we've been uh, fortunate to, to work with so far? Like, what is the lasting, lasting impact of that beyond uh, the, the service that we have, the transaction of money that we have? Uh, so I believe very much that everybody should, should lead their businesses soulfully and do the work within their businesses soulfully because businesses have that power to transform the world for the better. I, I say it's better that we do it as business owners and business leaders than you know wait for governments to do it or somebody else to come in and save us and do it. Let's get about doing that ourselves of a soul-led life from our businesses. I love that answer. Uh, I mean, you hit on so many different areas there. Uh, yeah, if, if for me, I think business is the most uh, powerful influencer on the planet today. And that the purpose of business actually, and, and again, listeners of this uh, podcast have heard me say this a lot, but the purpose of business is to enhance the possibility of thriving on the planet. And if you're doing yeah. that well as business with your product or service, you're going to have people beating a path to your doorway. Now, yeah. that differentiation yeah, how do I articulate the story of who we are? That I think is where you know, a lot of your work actually comes into play. How? Do, yeah, how do we? Narr yeah, what's the narrative that we create? And it's it's not so much in in my mind. And correct me if I'm off base here, but it's not so much solely about branding or marketing. It really is more mm. about the mindset about how we think about who we are, and then take mm. that story and. Um, and, and then disseminate it in a way that people go, ah, there's a connection here that I can actually resonate with. So yeah. with, with that, yeah, and I don't want to get techniquey here, but um, yeah, Alfred Morabian, I'm, I'm certain that you've probably heard uh, Dr. Morabian's name here. Uh, yeah, 7% of our message is contained in the actual words that we use. Now that's a very broad generality. Um, people pay attention. If there's dissonance between the words and the emotional content uh, of the delivery, they pay more attention to the nonverbals than they do to the verbals. And body talk. I mean, this is your domain. This is where you thrive. And this is where you actually, you know, that's your wheelhouse. The time in Tibet, nobody spoke English. And I read, yeah, I'm, I'm this is a long setup here, but yeah, I, I started working in Japan. Um, oh, back in the 1980s, I didn't speak Japanese and I was training. I was actually delivering you know, motivational training and whatnot in a Japanese environment through, through an interpreter. But I mm. came very quickly to realize that the words were absolutely, and, and I don't want to say irrelevant, but they were actually not the most important part of my delivery. And I got that when I started paying attention to my interpreter. She mm. stood right by me. And I've known this woman for years now. She, I've worked, you know, she's one of my best friends and she works with me all the time. But when she would actually start interpreting, it wasn't translation, it was interpreting. She, mm. you know, I mean, I talk with my hands, you can see that. <laughs> but I'd look mm. over at her or I'd see a video of us and she's not just mouthing the words and giving you know, the, the, the linguistic translation she's actually if i'm doing this she's doing this yeah yeah yeah, yeah all the, her her body talk was a perfect i mean pretty much a perfect mirror of what i was doing and she was doing it innately so mm. 
my effectiveness in in that environment, yeah, it, it was off the charts. Yeah, compared to some others that you know, and particularly if I was uh, working in a traditional interpreting where the interpreters were in the booth in the back of the room and the and the audience had a headset on and they were just listening to the yeah. words, they were missing yeah. everything that she was delivering. So yeah. with that setup. Uh, <laughs> Where do we go from a leadership perspective? How do leaders actually begin to integrate from an influencing perspective, the narrative so that it's yeah. resonating with people? It's not just you know, bouncing around yeah. in their ears and in their head. Yeah, great, great question. And you, your story there has reminded me of something, uh, the story I, I don't know if I've actually shared uh, before, uh, which is which is a great way into this. So uh, you mentioned they're working in Japan. I did a job in uh, Japan, I think this was about four years ago. And uh, I was out there for a week, I was there with a colleague of mine. And uh, the first two days of the week, we were training uh, the leaders in a pharmaceutical company that we, we work with their team around the world. But this was our first time to be in Japan, they're a Japanese based company. And so the first two days, we were working with them, they spoke very good English, uh, we were working with them essentially on how do they uh, influence a room full of people on their team or a room full of uh, medical leaders in different areas with their communication. So how do they share medical case studies and research and navigate uh, leading a training session for people to go through new materials. So we gave them all this training in English. And uh, at the end of the year, uh, the sort of Tuesday afternoons, we did Monday, Tuesday, they said, so we'll see you Thursday morning. And uh, obviously, you know, Thursday and Friday, where you're going to be here watching us run a training event and coaching us, all of that will be in Japanese. And we said, hang on a second, what, what do you mean? And they said, well, clearly you must speak Japanese. So we're doing those two days in Japanese. And we had to say, no, we, we don't speak Japanese. If we're going to help you, we're going to coach you through that. We're going to need an interpreter of some sort. And then they suddenly were rushing around thinking, oh, my goodness, we, we didn't know that. And we now need to find an interpreter. And so they found the only interpreter left in Tokyo at the time because all the others were busy. And uh, this person, uh, very different experience to the one uh, that you'd had. We put on these headsets and we would see sort of uh, passionate things happening in the room in Japanese. And in our headsets, we had the voice of someone who sounded like a late night radio DJ, just trying to sort of put us to sleep. And uh, within about 20 minutes, I thought I'm, I'm gonna fall over because the jet lag was bad enough flying from London across to Tokyo. I hadn't slept much that week. And I noticed I wasn't really gaining much from the words to come back to what you said about Moravian uh, earlier on. I was not really gaining any value from just hearing what the person's words were, but by observing the way that the leaders in the room were managing the room, I could tell if the room was moving in the right direction or not. I could tell if they were influencing and as you say, coordinating and co-creating something of value uh, in that experience. And so we decided we would put down the headsets and just focus on what was non-verbally happening for them to lead and inspire and motivate this group, to engage them, to educate them. And so we just navigated through body language and tone to make sure that the day was going in the right direction. And as a result of that, we were much more effective. So even though we, we really couldn't understand the words, we were vaguely familiar with what material they were supposed to be delivering. We, we enhanced it in that direction. So I think this is a great message for leaders to be uh, aware of when they're thinking about their communication. 
you know, these days, getting people together is much more rare. It's uh, something that it requires a big investment. If you're going to get everybody to come into the office, you know, everybody used to be in the office Monday to Friday. These days, maybe they come in on a Wednesday. So if you have people together, uh, and particularly if you have them together, say, at a conference once or twice per year, you're spending tens of thousands of dollars on the venue. It can cost you $20,000 just on a coffee break for all the people to be there and the flights involved. And what you tend to get is still the leaders of those teams. They'll go up on stage and usually the CEO speaks first. Then quite often it's the CFO. And I know this because I'm, I'm often speaker number three and I watch them both speak and then I get up. And what you often see is, say, the CFO gets up. And we'll say, um, hi, everyone. Uh, very, uh, very, very excited to be here. I think uh, we're having a fantastic year and uh, everything's going amazingly well. And you think, OK, I can hear that you've said that. But the way that you said it makes me wonder, like, is, are we, is this company going bankrupt? Is there something I should be aware of? Like people are going to be laid off tomorrow because it sounds like you through your tone and through your body language that you're saying words that have no meaning. There's apathy in what you're doing there. And so what I'm always keen for leaders to understand is that they have to embody their words because yes. seeing is believing. And if what people see goes in one direction, what they hear goes in another direction, they believe what they see. So you need to have alignment. So how do you get that alignment? Well, you need to make sure that your, your body language and voice are coming to life. And the way that I often say this is imagine that you are sharing the information with a five-year-old child. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate to have uh, two young kids. I've been reading storybooks for them since they were very tiny. And so you have to bring the story to life to like, hold their attention and really get them engaged. And not to do it in a patronizing way, but to make sure they understand the emotion and the meaning behind those words. Uh, so it's critical to be able to do that. The, the further piece that I do beyond this is because often people say, OK, I get that in theory. I'm just I'm just really terrified of um, going into a room and influencing people, even if it's just like 10 people on a team or a key client of ours or a really important stakeholder, you know, what do I do to get my head in the right place? So I often talk to them about the alignment they do before they go in the room, which is a sense of if you can get uh, your inner guiding compass aligned with your actions in that room, then the confidence issue disappears. And so what that means is if you think about what are your personal principles of the kind of person that you want to be, how, how do you want to act? What actions and reactions will you be proud of? What sort of legacy do you want to leave after you leave that room, after you leave that organization and get set on those? It gives you a rock solid foundation in your mindset to go into a situation where you're not looking for validation from the audience and you're not looking for validation from the client, for example. You have validation. You've already got it. So you go in and you are in alignment with how you communicate and you're much more likely to be effective than just learning a body language technique or, or so. The mind is then in alignment with the movements, with the words, with the tone of voice, and suddenly you become a highly influential uh, communicator and leader. Yeah, that, that whole notion of alignment, I think, is absolutely crucial. Uh, and, and I love the CFO example uh, that you just shared. I've seen that, I cannot tell you how many times. Uh, I'm <laughs> yeah, so excited yeah, yeah. to be here, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're going to take a real quick break right now. When we come back, Richard, what I would like to do is talk a little bit about uh, a couple of things. One is you've got a secret, quote unquote, a secret uh, leader's lift, uh, a secret that transforms how you influence in situations so that uh, we can actually 
I want to yeah, have the audience yeah, have an opportunity here to actually say, oh, here's something I can actually take away and work with. So that's sort of a thing. So folks, uh, Richard Newman, body lift or body talk. I'm sorry, body lift. I'm, I'm mixing metaphors here. <laughs> we'll be right back after this very brief uh, little commercial announcement. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52-week-long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast-changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Hello and welcome back. Um, before we took a break, I had uh, mentioned to Richard that I wanted to spend a little time um, on the back half of this uh, uh, episode talking about uh, specifics. Um, the idea of um, lifting yeah, and you were talking about this in terms of alignment, you know, getting the interior and the exterior kind of aligned so that uh, what mm. people are perceiving is actually congruent. And I was, you know, as you were talking, I was struck by something that Virginia Satir, uh, the family psychologist, uh, wrote years ago in one of her books. And it was a definition of communication that I've run with ever since I read it. And it was simply communication is the ways, plural, the ways that we work out common meaning with one another. And if common meaning hasn't been established, all bets are off. Because you know, if you're thinking that I'm meaning this and I'm not meaning that, then you know, people scatter to the wood piles and you know, nothing gets coordinated and nothing gets focused. It's misaligned. Your lift model, yeah, it's, it's, it's how you influence uh, in any situation. How does meaning come into that? And what specifically is that secret you know, that makes this thing work from your perspective? Yeah, yeah great question. So uh, lift is a concept that uh, I've been working on, teaching our clients, working on with, with our team for, for many years now. Uh, but I really wanted to hone it down and refine it for this, this new book that I've been working on to, to help people with communication, which is very simply that if you think about what great leaders do, if you think about the, the impact that they have on a team and an organization, they have this impact of lift where when they go into a room, when they speak in a meeting, they speak at a conference, they take the people who they're speaking to from a negative or a neutral state to a positive or a more positive state. They are lifting the room. They're lifting those people. And by lifting them, it means that when they leave that room, they've influenced them in such a way that those people go on to be a greater version of themselves after 
that person has left. They've had this such a positive ripple effect that people feel uplifted, they feel inspired, they go about their, their day being a greater version of themselves, more productive, uh, more elevated in the communication that they have around them. So they have this element of lift. And this is something that I, that I uh, I've worked on with people for, for so many years in figuring out you know, like how exactly do they achieve that. But this comes from like a, a personal background uh, for me is that uh, when I was a, a child, I really struggled with communication. And I'm always keen to impress this upon people because sometimes they say, well, you know, it's all very well for you, Richard. You're into communication. I can't communicate. So if, if that's the case for anybody listening, uh, it's important to listen to this. So when I was growing up as a child, I was very shy. You know, I used to hide behind my parents when people came to the house. Uh, I'm highly introverted. And I, just last year, I got diagnosed as being autistic. And that was like a huge surprise for me, that diagnosis, because I thought, I knew I've always had some kind of challenge with communication. I just wasn't really sure what it was. Uh, but what I did was from the age of about 16 onwards, I started to read books around communication to the point where I'd read something like 200 books in the area of communication, in all aspects of it. I also went to acting school to learn more about how to communicate. How do you pick up words and help them have emotion and have meaning and, and so on. Uh, but one of the areas of communication I really struggled with was banter. So this idea of people sort of joshing each other, bantering back and forth. I, I would observe what people were doing and think, okay, I think I've got what this is. But to me, what it would look like is two people uh, saying mean things to each other and then laughing in each other's faces. And so when I would try to emulate that, as you can imagine, it didn't go very well. I'd get a negative response. And so I had to figure out, well, what is it exactly that is happening that makes that work? Because, you know, logically speaking, I'm emulating what they're doing. And then I thought, hang on, it's, it's the element of lift. Whatever they're saying is secondary to the intention. The intention in those situations is that you lift the other person up. So you're lifting their energy, you're lifting their spirits, albeit by saying something mean and laughing. Uh, so that element of lift transforms that communication. But you take that into any area of business. If you've got difficult conversations to have, challenging meetings, difficult negotiations, if you go in with the intention of lift behind every other action that you have, it can elevate the conversation and elevate the results that come out. And we share with people techniques all around that. How do you lift your mindset such that you're ready for those situations? How do you lift your influence such that in, in those situations, you've got every tool you would need to make that happen? And ultimately, you know, how do you lift your future and your legacy as a business leader to make sure that long term you have lifted those around you? Yeah, I, well, I, yeah, we're gonna, you know, <laughs> this is a big rabbit hole that I could <laughs> go spelunking <laughs> in for a lot of <laughs> a lot of time. I love, love this. Yeah, from a leadership perspective, the way that I kind of codify that or describe that is, you know, paying attention to how other people feel when they're in my presence. Yeah, and do they feel uplifted? Do they feel empowered, ennobled? Yeah, all of those mm -hmm. sorts of adjectives, uh, descriptors, and that upward spiral. Yeah, in the conversation. So that's, it's energetic as well as content focused. Now, uh, you know, and it's also very pragmatic. You know, the, you, you're, uh, one of the things that you, you do talk about is, and I'm going to pull this directly from uh, uh, a piece here that was sent to me by uh, your staff. One client after working with you won over a billion dollars in new business in one year using your techniques. A billion dollars with a B. Yeah, with a B. <laughs> year. Yeah, yeah. What? What tech? I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. 
what what techniques did they actually um, integrate and actually begin leveraging? Yeah, so uh, so, so to break that down, because sometimes people say, well, how do you know that your techniques uh, really helped them win that extra billion dollars? Well, the way that we know is that they were pitching for big government contracts. And when they were going for them, the, the con contracts were broken down in three measures. So it had to be very transparent how they were measuring this so they could then say, well, we gave this organization the contract based on these scores. And the way they were being scored was on their ability to do the job, uh, secondly, on their price, and thirdly, on a behavioral assessment. And they came to us because they said, look, when we get down to the final six uh, companies they're looking at, everybody in that category can then do the job. So we've passed on that score. We can't do a lot about it. Everybody is fighting percentages to get down to the lowest possible price. We can't really change our score there. What we can do is to change our behavioral assessment. And so they'd be going into meetings where they had to, uh, they would have to do a pitch. Uh, they would have to work effectively between themselves as a team. Uh, they would have to uh, have interviews and handle difficult questions. And so we prepped them for all of those different skills to make sure that the way that they communicated with each other, the way they communicated with strangers they'd never met before on challenges, the way that they interacted with a panel who was firing very difficult questions could all come from a place that uh, was positive and uplifting where, you know, e even though they'd be thrown, I mean, in some of these situations, they get thrown loads of challenges where they say, you know, you've got 40 minutes to figure out this massive challenge uh, on this government project. And then halfway through, they get told, right, five minutes of your time has been taken. And now there's another challenge you have to fix in the next 12 minutes. Uh, so it's lots, lots of things, lots of putting them under pressure. And, you know, the big uh, way that we would work with them is to make sure no matter how much pressure you're under, this is the way you behave. The, these are this is what you're going to convey. This is what you're going to show people because they want to know that, you know, two years down the road, when they've given you hundreds of millions on this contract, that when a challenge comes up, you're going to be the right person for that job. So, so that's part of it is the behavior and the team dynamics. Another big part of what we, we worked on on so many of those contracts we've helped people win is the storytelling. It's the ability to take really complex information and tell it in a way that people they care about your story and they buy into your story more than they do with other people. Because ultimately, if, if you think about it, if you're, if you're pitching for a big contract, the, the client wants something at the end and everybody's going to say, we will give you that thing at the end uh, and we will do it for X price. It, all of those things are going to happen. But if you as a team can sell the story of who you are, how you see the challenge, how you see the future being for your client and, and what that journey is going to look like and feel like. If you can tell that story in a more engaging way, it's not that they're just buying into the components and the logic and the data you've given them. They're buying into the journey. They can see the journey, feel the journey and want to go on that journey with you. And so that storytelling piece is a huge part of what we work on with leaders all the time to sell the journey, to sell the future vision and do so in a way that is believable and memorable and concise and compelling and can be repeated after you leave the room. Uh, and once we've done that with people, we've seen that um, we, we break it down as like a 20%, 80% on those stories. The 20% at the beginning is the hook and the 80% is the journey that you describe about, you know, how you're going to uh, achieve that better future for them. And, and I've seen this repeatedly where people get to the end of that sort of opening 20% that is selling this future vision of a story. And you can see the client is already saying yes. They haven't even told them how they're going to do it yet. They haven't gone through the, the graphs and the, the bullet points, but they have yeah. been so effective at grabbing them 
stating what the challenge is right now and where the future is going to be. And it's utterly compelling that they almost get the job by that point. And, and the rest of it is just, you know, filling in the details. So, so storytelling, team dynamics and behavior under pressure is critical in those situations. Uh, uh, Richard, I mean, that's beautiful. Yeah, the idea here of buying into the journey, this is what leaders create, effective leaders. Because leadership takes us into areas we've never been, we've never gone before, territory we've never been into. So it's not so much the destination, it's the worry that people have about what's it going to be like as we move along this path. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 pot of gold is going to be out there or not, but it's you know, typically that's going to be the enticement. But what's the journey? I, I love yeah. the way that you position that. That is, you know, and folks, those of you that are you know, running an organization or leading a team or even leading your family, uh, this this idea of storytelling. I, I mean, I, I resonate with that so much. I mean, this is something that uh, well, that's why I've written five books. I love stories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kind of, yeah. you know, what's the narrative that we can put together with this? Where can people find out? Now, you've got a book coming out in May, um, and it's yeah. literally along this, you know, Lift Your Impact is the title of the book, correct? Yeah. Correct. Where can yes. people get an advanced copy or it, it, it drops in May? Is, is you know, Can they pre-order? Yeah, sure. So if people want to get uh, Lift Your Impact, the book, you can go and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Books A Million, uh, where else? Bookshop.org. Uh, go to any of those sort of regular uh, big places that you go and get your books and you can pre-order now. And uh, yeah, it should be with you by May 2nd. Uh, so you get the physical hard copy, uh, hardback book. Uh, there will also be an uh, ebook uh, dropping and an audio book uh, dropping uh, shortly for people to pre-order. But uh, hardback copy is available to pre-order now. Uh, awesome. Now, where, where can people find out more about what you're up to specifically, you and your, your team and your organization? What's, what's the URL? What's the website? Yeah. So, so best place to, to come to uh, for the, most of the elements we've been talking about today uh, is to go to ukbodytalk.com. And there you can find me, my team, uh, the work that we're doing with uh, large organizations and training leaders on all the elements we've discussed. Great. Folks, we've been listening to uh, Richard Newman, CEO of Body Talk. Richard, I can't thank you enough uh, for both your time, but also your wisdom and your insight on this. Uh, I'd love to have you back on because, I mean, we just opened a door on a couple of rabbit holes that I would love <laughs> to just literally go in a deep dive with. Um, so Great. if you're open to it, I'll have uh, yeah, my assistant reach out to uh, yeah. your team and we'll see if we can get something else on the calendar. Absolutely. Uh, I'd love to. Yeah. Thanks very much, Blaine. Appreciate it. Okay, you bet. Folks, you've been listening, like I said, to The Solar Business with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, you can find out more about what I'm up to, obviously, uh, by going to blainebartlett.com. And there's all kinds of free resources there. Uh, take advantage of them and you know, do a little spelunking. You know, go, go, go exploring uh, the website and see what you can find. And if you've got any questions, uh, do feel free to uh, ping me. Uh, my info and uh, contact information is on the website. And until next time, Put yourself in a position of being a person of increase and a center of distribution. You'll find that your life works a whole lot better than if you're looking to accumulate things. Take care and see you on the next episode.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.